Hello everyone and welcome to the Impact Business Group Job Talk and uh, have with me today our owner Matt Peel. How are you doing Matt? Hey Mark, I'm doing good and how about yourself today? I'm doing great. Uh, middle of the week already so we're moving right along. Uh, so that's good. And uh, we also have with us uh, from our Tampa location, uh, Mark Herman. How are you doing Mark? Hey, doing great. So we have two Marks. So you're outnumbered Matt. I know. Um, so uh, a topic that's come up around the office here is uh, counteroffers. And I think we might have mentioned it briefly uh, before in, in episodes, but we're going to talk about it a little bit today more specifically uh, about counteroffers. And as a job candidate, if you receive one, should you accept it? What are some of the downfalls? Uh, so maybe we can uh, start with uh, Mark. Uh, can you define uh, what a counteroffer is for someone who's maybe not clear on it yet? Sure. Counteroffer. Uh, we, uh, we're working with a candidate. They've accepted our position that we presented to them. And uh, as they put their resignation into their current employer, uh, they were offered additional compensation to get them to stay. So that would be the definition of their counteroffer. Okay. And Matt, uh, what are some of the top reasons that you see that um, a company will make a counteroffer all of a sudden? I think the biggest the biggest driver for all companies is the labor market. Um, so difficult to find people right now, uh, and if somebody's a, a a reasonably decent performer at their current organization, I think counteroffer is in play um, for everybody. Right? Nobody wants to uh, be without somebody in that seat, and unless it's just a, a toxic situation, we're seeing counteroffers in just about every capacity. Yep. And uh, do you see uh, counteroffers as a legitimate, hey, we want to keep you, or could there be some other motivations behind it? Um, there's always more motivation behind it, right? Speaking from a candidate standpoint, who this podcast is directed at, uh, very seldom are they looking for a new job uh, because of compensation or compensation alone, right? It's typically culture, environment, growth size of organization, uh, issues with management, whatever it might be, right? Compensation is typically not in the top three. Yep. And uh, Mark, if if somebody is the on the manager side and they get the notification, hey, one of your employees might be leaving, um, do you think that that would play into uh, some other motivations that the, the candidate should be aware of um, as far as why they're getting that counteroffer? You know, a, a manager is going to, you know, want to keep someone in the chair simply because they don't have their own personal bandwidth to fill in. You know, there's a variety of, uh, of reasons they're going to extend that counter offer. Um, but for the most part, it's the workload. There's never a good time to uh, lose a contributor to the team. So it could just impact a variety of different things. Um, so from the, the candidate's standpoint, if they get that counter offer, um, what what should they consider before they decide if they want to accept it or, or not? I'll, I'll throw that to you, Matt. Well, as I said in the beginning of this, uh, what they should really consider uh, an exercise that we help candidates walk through, as a matter of fact, Mark and I are going through this right now, is to T-chart their current situation and T-chart the potential uh, new role that they're going to accept or they did accept, right? And the motivators... Um, for why they're looking to make a move. So um, again, if 
if compensation was their number one priority, then you've got very little leg to stand on on a counter offer. But uh, most of the time it's environment, opportunity, company size, culture, whatever it might be. And that piece won't change, right? Those uh, dynamics or those uh, motivators that cause somebody to take a look at the job market in the first place, um, those things aren't going to change just because they turned in their notice. The boss, if he, he or she was problematic, is still going to be problematic. We're just putting, you know, uh, a compensation band-aid on it. And so you're talking a bit about the manager and the dynamic. So would it be fair to say that once the manager knows that this employee is thinking of leaving, uh, that that dynamic might change? So if it was maybe bad before, could it be even worse after? Like they would look at the employee differently knowing that they were thinking of leaving. Well, you know, that's the, that's the easiest one, but I'll take it one step further, right? It's a scenario where let's say it was a good situation. Manager employee got along well, but uh, this person turned in their notice, completely shocked the manager. Um, they counter offer just as Mark was saying, because it's bad timing. Uh, but I can assure you that manager's MO uh, number one on their daily priority list is is to replace that person that put in their notice. They know now that they uh, are a weak link, not in a performance standpoint, but from a team standpoint, and and they know they were looking once before, and and time is eminent to replace that. So that manager would rather replace that person on their terms versus waiting for the person to, to put in their notification again. So even in a good situation. Obviously, in a bad situation, it's self-explanatory. Uh, it's a temporary Band-Aid, and that bad situation isn't going to get better. But if it was in a good situation, now that manager feels uh, like uh, there's there's a gap, a weak link, and, and they're going to work aggressively to replace you. Now, does it happen, or I'm sure it happens, but what are the dynamics if you have an employee that doesn't really want to leave? They're just out there fielding other offers so they can come back and use that as a negotiation tool to up their salary. So how would, how, how does that usually play out? I'll, I'll toss that over to you, Mark. Uh, well, well, it has happened in the past. Um, you know, it's definitely not the type of candidate that we would want to be working with going forward. Someone that's just looking to get an offer to leverage their current employer. Um, you know, we, we've had those scenarios in the past and it just doesn't play well for, for the candidate um, or the employee. And just as Matt said, I mean, the moment that they put their notice in or show another offer, offer their loyalty is in question. And, you know, once your loyalty is in question with your employer, I, I mean, you're toast. It's hard to come back from that and, and you're going to be replaced. Now, are there some scenarios where getting a counteroffer and accepting it might actually work out. Uh, have you seen any examples of that? Few and far between. Never say never, right? But, uh, you know, I would push back and I just want to add to what Mark said. If somebody's using the job market or potential new job to solicit an offer to bring back to their environment, like Mark said, right? Well, I don't know that that's somebody you want to, want to work with because they're wasting a whole lot of people's time in that process. And I would say it's indicative of that, that company that they're working at right now going, hey, if you want more money, you got to come back with a, a reasonable offer and we'll match it. So if that's how that company operates, why would you want to be there in the first place, right? Um, but 
back to to the next question. Have you ever seen a counter offer work out? Um, I think very rarely is the right way to term that, as Mark said, because again, um, even in a good situation that was missing something for that 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 in, that candidate that took a look at the market, that piece doesn't change with a counteroffer. The counteroffer only changes one piece of the five or six motivators that one has for taking a look at the marketplace. Right. So if so, if there are other aspects of the job that they were not happy with, um, if those could be addressed, then then maybe that could change the situation. So if they could be addressed along with the salary piece, then maybe that would be a different difference maker, I guess you can say. And uh, something else, switch up the, the gear just a little bit, uh, something that's, I think, come up a lot lately, um, and Matt, I, I know you've you know, talked about this, is ghosting. So employees is not even, they're, they're getting the offer and they're just not even showing up to work on the first day. Uh, and we actually had, a, had an inquire on our website today from a new client potential that they mentioned that that's what's happening and that's why they reached out to us. So I don't know if Matt, you can talk about that a little bit and what's going on and what candidates should know about. Yeah, I'm hopeful we get a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on this podcast and, and encourage more on the the ghosting side of, of the equation. But as you said, in short, um, candidate accepts a role slated to start whatever day it is. Let's, uh, for this example, let's pretend it's Monday. Uh, Monday comes and there's an email um, if you're lucky that says, hey, I, uh, uh, I'm not showing up. I've decided to stay where I'm at. Uh, but the true form of ghosting is no call, no showing on a new job that uh, you had accepted and let the search begin for where that person may be. Nine times out of 10 or 99 out of, uh, out of 100, that person accepted a counteroffer or another role during their resignation process and and took the one that you know they thought was the best, and and didn't bother to uh, call or inform anybody in the process. Right. So they may have not even intended to start to begin with. They just wanted to get the other offer to bring back to their employer, possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Again, I would I would love more time on this this subject as far as ghosting goes. But in short, a candidate is slated to start and. It's ghosting. They they did not call. They did not show up. It could have been a situation where they counteroffered, or frankly, they could have accepted uh, this particular job and and kept interviewing during that two week transition. And something better surfaced for better culture, better money, whatever it might be. For us on the recruiting side, we very seldom uh, are able to get back in touch with them. They won't respond to calls, text, or email. Uh, it's it's uh, the entire. 360 of uh of what ghosting would be right and uh mark from your side being a recruiter what are how would you view a candidate after that what are some of the risks that they're taking by doing this let's say they they come back at a later time saying hey I've, i'm interested in this job you have available or any other type of situation uh, funny you mentioned that. So we had a, a candidate in play uh, a, a little while back um, that we took the time to uh, prep for the interview, the morning of the interview, solid 20-minute conversation, and uh, they were a no-call, no-show to the interview. They were, you know, no, they wouldn't respond to our calls uh, to see what had happened. Hopefully that person is okay. Come to find out that they applied to another position of ours recently. <laughs> 
And uh, it, it's a character flaw in, in, in people. And a lot of people just don't want to share bad news. And where we sit in the middle, we would rather receive, hey, I've got another offer and I'm no longer interested, rather than them vanish. Um, you know, some of the things we can try to do to mitigate that from our chair is to stay in touch with the candidate until they arrive for their first day, confirming with them a couple of days before, texting them the morning of the day, hey, everything all set for your first day. Um, and that's how we can kind of get into the middle of it and figure out that somebody's going to ghost us before they just not show up. So it's something that we're, we're pretty big on here to do our best to prevent, but there is no preventing. It's just alerting the, you know, the, the company that, hey, such and such is, is not responding to our efforts to reach out. And we are, and we're doubtful they're going to arrive for the first day. Yep. And, and just like any organization would, we also have, a, I guess we call it a pre-boarding process. So if Matt, you can talk a little bit about that and what uh, candidates should expect uh, from that aspect. Yeah. Just to expand upon what the other Mark said, if I can, right? Is it a character flaw? Yes. Is it an anxious time, right? Next to home buying, job change is, is, is deemed the highest anxiety time for, uh, for an individual. So it, it could be a character flaw. It could be, quite frankly, a situation where I don't even know how to handle it or B, I don't want to call that pending recruiter or pending HR manager and say, you know, oh shit, this happened. I've accepted after I've already accepted your role, right? They're trying to avoid, back to Mark's point from a character standpoint, they're trying to just avoid that type of confrontation and trying to avoid that that question, that obvious question of going, oh, you gave us a word. You signed on, uh, on the dotted line. Uh, what changed, right? So they just don't want to have that conversation at all. Um, so with that said, how can you onboard somebody, pre-board somebody, keep in contact with them uh, during this process is critical. As Mark was saying, part of our process is, hey, if you've accepted, make sure your information's taken down. And this applies to internal HR folks as they're onboarding their people too. Make sure their information's taken off of, uh, uh, you know, the, the job boards. Make sure your LinkedIn profile doesn't say currently seeking. So you take the spotlight off of, of your openness or appetite for new roles. And then, uh, as you said, that, that pre-boarding, that constant contact, do we have everything squared away? Laptop, logistics, where you're going to go, you know, how your first week will look, your agenda, uh, who you ask for when you get there. And the more we touch somebody during that two week period between resignation and new, you know, starting it, uh, it enhances our success that they're going to be there. Um, so those are part of the onboarding, pre-boarding processes that we take to help a candidate or a future employee through that process. Right. So from a, from a candidate standpoint, when you're getting those communications, those, those will be some of the reasons why um, to both make sure they know where they're going, what, they're, what they can expect from their first day and what they're going to be doing on the job and be ready to go, but also for us to make sure they're still uh, ready to take the job and not going to bail on us at the last minute. Yeah, no doubt. Make sure they're honoring their commitment and then nothing has changed, right? It, and maybe honoring commitment's too strong a word, but we're really looking to make sure nothing has changed. Because in today's market, today's world, if that person still 
on uh, on LinkedIn and and showing their statuses currently seeking opportunities. Um, you're going to be called. You're going to be found, regardless of uh, uh, what you think your skills or background is, right? Um, uh, so we're just trying to to dim the light on on them being in an active candidate search capacity and and make sure uh, nothing's changed, right? Life happens. We understand that, but saying you're going to be there and ghosting is uh, is really is bad, really bad practice for everybody. So not just in dating, but on the, on the job search. As well. <laughs> <laughs> well, some aspects, the job search is like dating, right? You're, you're, you're meeting new employers and you're making sure it's the right fit, but uh, a good analogy. Nonetheless, no call, no show is not the right answer. Yep. So to circle back to where we started with uh, um, the, the counter offer and the, uh, taking it all the way through accepting the job. Uh, any final words as far as what candidates should be thinking about if they do get the counter offer or even a, a new offer from, from a different employer while they're uh, in the process of applying for a job. So I'll start with you, Mark. Any, any final thoughts on what candidates should be considering? I think it's important that, uh, you know, candidates that are seeking to leave their current employer remember the, the reasons why they're looking to leave when it comes time to actually put in your notice. Time and time again, candidates that have accepted counter offers are out the door within three to six months of, you know, with, within that, that situation occurring for a variety of reasons. And most of the time, it's just they flat out quit because nothing's changed except they're bringing a little bit more money home. And that's masked the situation, the negative situation for the short term. Yep. Any other thoughts on that, Matt? No, I hit the nail on the head, right? It's it's laying out that T-chart. What were your original motivators and what is what is going to change, what has changed uh, that has, has prompted you to accept this this counteroffer? Yep. Uh, so with that, uh, I'll, I'll do a plug for a future show. We'll be doing another episode on ghosting, but more related. So if, if you have any employers who are listening, we'll have a an episode in the near future on ghosting and, and what you can do to help avoid that from happening. Uh, and for all who are listening, uh, wanting to uh, engage with us, please visit our website at impactbusinessgroup.com. Uh, we have a job board that's updated pretty much daily with new opportunities uh, with uh, engineering, finance, accounting, the IT and administration type of jobs. So feel free to check that out. And uh, we look forward to working with you and uh, helping you in, in your job search. And, um, Hope to hear back from you uh, on the next episode. Thank you. And thank thank you, you, Matt. And thank you, Mark. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank you.